podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to AI Scouted on Anfield Index Pro. I'm Dave Hendrick and I'm joined as always by the one and the only Mr. Carol Matchett. How are you, sir? Hot, irritated, ready for a good chat on football. Well, your irritation should be somewhat suited by the news that Alexis McAllister is as good as a Liverpool player. Looks like a fee somewhere in the high 30 million range plus some add-ons, Carol, which seems like an outrageous bargain for a player of his quality. Uh, He is two months younger than Trent, so worth remembering he's also a young player who's not just for now, but for the long term as well. What are your views on this deal and how happy are you that we've gotten it done so early in the window? Um, I have mixed feelings about the earliness of the window. Um, On the one hand, for, you know, planning and preparation and all the actual things of football, it's really, really good. And I'm glad we do this. And we do do this quite well, to be fair. Uh, On the other hand, it's really, really bad for when it gets to August and people are going, we haven't signed anybody for six weeks. What's going on? Because we've already done all our business. So I'm, I'm happy today, but I won't be further down the line, no doubt. Yeah, it'll be a magnificent thing if we have like six players in the door by the end of July and can just put our feet up in August and then come deadline day, you'll get the screaming lunatics on Twitter outraged that we're not doing anything. Yeah, I mean, look, the the fee, if, if the lines that we've heard are, are correct, that's, you know, it's Argentina's World Cup winning midfield pairing have basically gone one of them for a third of the other one's price. Mm. And like we said before, I think he's um, a very, very good fit for, for how we play now. I think there's at least one role, but I think he can probably play a couple of roles in this team, to be perfectly honest, but he should be... You know, one fixed part of our midfield now for going forward. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Now, we've also had news today from David Ornstein that Real Madrid have agreed a fee with Borussia Dortmund for Jude Bellingham. A fee is believed to be over 100 million euro plus add-ons. So it's a significant, a significant amount of money. It's not as high, perhaps, as people initially thought it would be, but it is a lot of money. What do you think of Jude to Real? Is that the right move for him? I mean, they've already got three outstanding young midfielders in Fede Valverde, Aurelian Chouameni, and Eduardo Camavinga. Mm-hmm. He goes into that group. Is that, is that about as fearsome as it can get? But is, is that the right move for him? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think that you can say moving to Real Madrid is the wrong move if you're a very, very good player. I think it can be a terrible move if you're 
an all right player or a fairly good player or a promising young player, but I think Jude's beyond that level, to be fair. So, yeah, I think it's really good. I think that it's been apparent, especially this season, that Carlo is removing people like uh, Modric a little bit earlier in games or leaving them out of some games, that sort of thing. I think there's definitely a new spot to be had there. And, you know, it's been hit and miss so far, let's say, for for Chouameni. And obviously Camavinga has had quite mm. a, a decent run at left back as well. So there's absolutely a space in there. We've even seen Valverde, even though he plays all the time, sometimes it's right at the front three nominally starts there. Uh, so there's definitely a new spot to be had. And I don't think it's a bad idea to get, you know, from a Real perspective as well, you've got four unbelievably talented, pretty young, really athletic, technically gifted, intelligent midfield players there that you can pick from for however long you want now. Yeah, that's that's fair. I mean, Fede is the oldest of them. He'll only turn 25 this summer. So, you know, it is a very young group and it's a group they could put together for a long time. And it's a group that will fit in a number of different ways. I mean, they could use it as a box midfield with Chiumeni and Camavinga deepest. Valverde and Jude as the more advanced who drop wide out of possession. They could play a diamond with it with Chiumeni deepest, Camavinga and Valverde as the the engine, so to speak, and, and Jude as the 10 it's the, or like they could just start three and have the other one rotate in, and you know that that would be something that will work for them as well. So it is a great deal, I think, for for Dortmund. You know, they, they've gotten four times what they paid for him. It's a great deal for Jude in terms of it sounds like the wage package from Real is significant. Mm-hmm. Uh, some reports that it's in excess of three hundred grand a week, and obviously for Real. You mentioned Modric. He he may well be joining the the group of players heading for the Middle East this summer. Um, Tony Cruz. It looks like he'll do one more year, maybe, and then move on. So with those players moving on, they do need to freshen up that midfield. And as I mentioned um, before, to you, it's not just these four. I mean, the, these four are the the star names, but then there's also. Antonio Blanco, who's a talented young holding midfielder for depth. Rene Jesus, a talented young midfielder for depth. And Marvin Park, who, you know, is not quite of the level, but potentially just for a bit of depth, will be fine, could play in the Copa del Rey games or a dead rubber in the Champions League or a league match against the Dross if they wanted to, to rest somebody. So Real will be very well set in midfields. Uh, they have no real concerns in that area. There's also the likes of Mario Martin, Carlos de Tor, Sergio Arribas that's, that have all been playing for the, the Castilla team and they'll likely get some luck moving forward. But yeah, I mean, you can't, you can't ever fault Real when there's a deal that they want to make, when there's a player they decide they want. They do generally get that deal done. Jude was obviously, Carl, our top target for two years, basically. And we kind of wrote off this season under some misguided view that we would just wait for Jude and Jude was the right player and whatever else. And a few weeks ago, we got news that we had backed out of any potential race for Jude. Now, it may be that he turned us down or it may be that we've changed tact. With Alexis in for 35 million and strong reporting that there are three other midfielders we are chasing um, Kefren Turam, Manu Kone, and Gabri Viega of Celta Vigo was recently 
named by a Newcastle journalist who's, by all accounts, very reliable. He said that the information he has is that Gabri Viega to Liverpool is something that's very likely to happen. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Do you think it's a matter of us having just looked at Jude, looked at that fee and thought, you know what, he'd be great, but if we can get Turan, Kone and potentially Viega for that money and their combined wages will be less than his, that's the smart play. Do you think that's what we've done here? Um, well, I think that's what we've done regardless of whether it was our decision or Jude's, to be perfectly honest, because I think setting aside everything that was said at the start of the season and then halfway through the season and people tried to make it sound like this was always what was going to happen. It wasn't. And this was always the plan. It wasn't. I do think there would have come a point where they realised we need a restructure. We need a complete redo of that centre of the park. And so whether he had said no or we had changed our mind, the outcome, the conclusion always had to be this. It had to be. You can't just ask one player to fix the number of issues that we had and particularly I would say with two additional factors, one being the change of system and two being the players we were going to lose who are out of contract anyway. So it always, always, always had to be the case this summer that if it was a case of just one or four or three for the same amount of money, obviously you have to go for the other one because we just had too many issues. So Mm. I don't actually care right now whether it's Jude who said no or we said this is a stupid idea. The right conclusion was drawn. I'm going to say I'm still slightly hesitant to believe we're going to get three or four midfielders just because we haven't done that for so long. But if we do, I'd be very, very glad. Very, very, very glad. But we've never put ourselves in a situation where one area of the team needed such a focus in one summer before. Our our squad has not been mismanaged this badly. I mean, we could argue that the defence could have had that done to it two years ago. And the forwards around the same time instead we we did it actually one window after another for three consecutive windows but, but the forwards and the defenders there were still multiple reliable top class players in those areas hmm. yes the midfield did. had zero reliable top class players yeah. for the last 12 months yes agreed um so it looks like it looks like the original plan was Bellingham and Mount, and that seems to have been what was what was looked at. But based on you know the fact that we've gone for Alexis, I, my belief is that we picked Alexis over Mason Mount because if you're telling me that Mason Mount and Jude had to be targeted with alternatives, there's just no way Alexis is a Jude alternative. 
Coney, I could see as a Jude alternative. Catherine Turam, definitely a Jude alternative. Uh, Alexa strikes me as much more of a of a mount alternative. So if we've taken the 140, 150 million it would have taken to get Jude and Mount, and we can turn it into these four midfielders, I just think we've come out far better off. Are any of them as individually good as Jude could be long term? I mean, I don't know. What I do know is that whenever I've watched Manu Kone against Jude, there's been a clear superior midfielder, and it hasn't been Jude. I think Kefren Turam has the potential to get to that elite, elite level. He's not quite as far along in his development as Jude yet, but he's not far off it either, even though he's a couple of years older. Like, I think this group... I think Alexis is pretty much a sure thing because of his demeanour, of, of how he plays. I think he's a sure thing. Turam, I think, has an incredibly high ceiling, but there is some possibilities that doesn't work out. Kone, I think, is a pretty sure thing because of how he plays that dynamic nature. The wild card in the group for me would be Gabri Viega, who has had a very good season in a very bad team. 11 goals from midfield. Very nice way to put it. Yeah, I mean, they are are tragically bad. I I watched that game uh, at the weekend because you'd said to me you thought Celta might be the one that that had gone down. And I wanted to see just how bad they were at the moment. And without him, they were tragically bad. Tragically bad. There is nothing good about that team bar him. And unless something major happens, I think you should make them favourites to go down next season because they are awful. Um, but he he put together, what, 11 goals and four assists or 11 and five over the season. Mm. So if we get a goal-scoring midfielder in him, a controlling midfielder in Alexis, a ball-winning midfielder in Kone, and then in Turam, that kind of dynamic box-to-box midfielder, for a... A midfield three, when you add in Fabinho and Thiago and Jones and Bessetic, that's all of a sudden incredible. For the four, I think it actually works even better when you put it in a diamond. If you go, and I said this on Twitter the other day, so I want you, this is what I want your thoughts on. If if our midfield is a four, okay, we've got the, the two and the two. Trent and Kone as the double pivot. Kone will need some work into that role. That's fine. Fabinho is the backup to Kone in that ball-winning role. Besetic as the backup to Trent in that hybrid role. Turam and Viega as the right-sided options. Alexis and Curtis as the left-sided options. Then Thiago managed really, really carefully and not asked to be David Batty. And then Henderson in whatever fucking role is, is there for him. I don't don't really care. It, that, to me, for that four-man midfield, could potentially be perfect. So who are you starting two further ahead? Kevin Turam and Alexis McAllister. And your backup for each? Your first backup for each? Curtis and Viega, whichever side. Because I think, I think all four of those midfielders can play both sides. Okay. 
And so, Thiago, you're just bringing in as and when. As and when. As and when. Big games, key games, whenever he's fit, whenever he's in the groove, he can play whatever role you want him to play. Like against some of the really bad teams, he could play, I think, in, in a bit of a deeper role. Mm. But yeah, you'd just be managing him really carefully. If he if he gets 15 to 18 starts across the season, and then you can bring him on as a sub as and when you want to see out games or as and when you need to raise a tempo of a game or gain a bit more control. I mean, if he hits 18 starts for, for next season, that's very nearly what he's done this season. So. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he managed, I think, 22 this season, so, you know. But it would be by choice rather than by injury, hopefully. I mean, like, I I agree in terms of the use of Thiago, but the big problem is it's not um, manageable is the only word I can use because you can't pick when he picks up these injuries. You know, it's not a case of we'll rest him for these three games so he's fit for these two or anything like that because he gets injured in training and he gets injured just playing like half an hour and it's it's very very frustrating to try and even plan so I think but I do think a lot of his injuries Carol came from how we were using him but even at the start of the season he got injured on the opening day against Fulham against Fulham that is fair but but it has been widely acknowledged that none of the players were ready to go for that first game true that the preseason was such a catastrophe because they went away from the Klopp model of preseason to some weird fucking gypsy yoga thing that Pep and Linders had found on the back of a magazine or something. And they followed his plan and not Jürgen's. I would bet that this summer is a Jürgen Klopp preseason. Well, I mean, Jürgen should be taking responsibility for it, regardless of whether he comes up with the plan or not. And if anything, the preseason plan is supposed to be the fitness guys, not any of the coaches. So... I do hope and I do expect that we will be far more everything, diligent, um, enthusiastic, optimistic, uh, hard, hardworking, hard on the players. Everything has to be different about this this coming preseason. So, um, I mean, in terms of the quartet, yeah, I, I think Alexis is an absolute lock to start, isn't he? Basically, mm, I think he'll be definitely. one of those. Him and Trent are the two nailed on ones. Yeah, I, I think Alexis is like one of the few we could say over the last few years, coming in to start straight away. And some of the time we've thought some might and they don't, or they start slightly differently. Like we thought Cody Gakpo last year was going to come in and play on the left straight away because Mm. Diaz on the left was injured and Jota on the left was injured. But no, he just went straight through the middle. So it is difficult to pick, but I think Alexis is so obviously a fit for one of these midfield roles, the left one to me, um, that he's just going to be there. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And then like I could see a, a circumstance with Manu Kone where maybe he plays in the early part of the season more in the Europa League and the League Cup and Fabinho plays in the league as Kone is molded and adapted more into that number six position, similar to what happened with Fabinho himself when he first arrived from Monaco. Henderson played more often Fab was brought along slowly. I think we could see the same kind of changing of the guard there with him. And then in the other role, it, you know, as and when Curtis could play there, Viega could play there, Turam, I think is the one that will eventually claim that spot as his own. But there are options. What, what do you think of my idea? And it is just an idea of Besetic being the one that fills the trend role when Trent isn't there because he's got experience playing in defence 
He's comfortable on the ball. He's comfortable in midfield, obviously. But we don't want to overexpose him. Mm. And Trent is going to play the majority of games. So it might just be that there's six to eight starts there for him over the course of the season and he can learn that role as he goes and and it means less of a drastic alteration than saying oh well Connor Bradley's the backup right back so when Trent's not there we're just going to play a oh, excuse me we're going to play a standard 4-3-3 and Connor Bradley's going to play right back yeah or Calvin Ramsey um, I suppose both exactly. have to work their way into doing what they can in terms of that role I, I think Bouchetich is a decent idea for that at least to see how he gets on there I mean Remember last season, we played so many kids right back. I think Malcolm Frandorf ended up playing there at one point as well. And he's the least defendery player on the planet, possibly. Yes. So um, it's worth having a look at whoever is available and fit in preseason, especially. I think definitely a role Bastich could do in terms of the physical demands of it and the ball winning, the ball winning side of the game that Trent does from that role as well, because he's pretty you know, fire in an extra tackling body in there in mm. midfield. So Bacetic is certainly that. Um, I would like to think Bacetic is going to get, let's say, slightly under the number that you've just said for Thiago there. I, I think if he got in the 12 to 15 range of starts next season, that's really good. Like really good for him and progression and also really good for Liverpool that we haven't need to call on basically an untested rookie for 50 games in a row again. Um, I think that that would be a nice little mix there. If you come in for some league games, you'll play a couple of cups and maybe you'll earn a couple of starts in a row as well. So that would be ideal, I think. But careful management. For sure. But he he has to be managed carefully because we've already seen him break down once because he got overplayed. So he needs to be managed really carefully next season in the same way Thiago does. But, I mean, this would leave us in an incredibly strong situation in midfield. Again, some people will whinge that these aren't ready-made players. We're not a ready-made title challenger anyway. We're miles away from challenging. And we need to just be accepting of the fact that that 21-22 season literally took every last bit out of the team. And it needs a reset. And it might be a three-window rebuild and in next season, the, the season after, 24-25, that's when I would be targeting us to be ready to go and challenge across the board. This coming I think, season, I think we can do maybe third and potentially win one of the three cups that we'll be in. See, I think even second should be what we go for here next season. If we sign five players, six players, and they're pretty good players... I think we should absolutely be looking for second. We're already better than Arsenal. Like Arsenal are going to maybe make a couple of changes and they'll try and make themselves better, but they have to get everything right to stay where they are, basically. Uh, so I, I don't see anything at the moment to suggest that we should be fearful of what Arsenal are or doing. Man United, are a, different pro- uh, Man United are a different proposition, maybe, because they'll spend big, especially if the takeover is done. But there's still quite a number of players there who are not of the level that they think they are. And I again, I, I really just don't see anything to be particularly fearful of from United. If Liverpool get, like I say, four really good deals and then a couple of other deals, I, I think second's where you go for. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think everything after City is just varying shades of average, to be honest, in terms of who's in the league. Like, I, I don't look at Arsenal and think, geez, that's a great team. 
they're one to fear. I look at it and say, there's some real talent there. There's a lot of average players in that team. Now they're losing Xhaka. There's one bit of average gone, but who are they going to replace him with? They're heavily reliant on Thomas Partey, who might be in prison soon. Aaron Aaron Ramsdale, I wouldn't trust. Ben White, I wouldn't trust. Zinchenko's good, but poor defensively. Gabriel is error-prone. Saliba's got a back issue, which is going to be potentially something that nags on with him as a big, big guy. There's a contract situation hanging over him as well. Can Odegaard repeat what he's just put forward this past season? That's tough because that was a big step up on what we'd seen before from him. They're heavily reliant on Saka and Martinelli for goals because as good as Jesus is, he's not getting you 20 league goals a season. So I think you're right. They need everything to go right. There's also just a lot of players that you wouldn't you wouldn't put much faith into. United have a lot of average players. Newcastle have a lot of average players. The same thing with you know with Spurs. I think Ange is gonna take a couple of years to get them turned around. Chelsea are the wild card because the talent is there and now they have a good manager. But they've been linked to everybody again, which says to me they haven't learned the lesson yet. So it could be another strange season for them. So yeah, the, the second is wide open. But what, I, what I'm saying is if we finish third and won, let's say the FA Cup or the Europa League, I would still say that's a very good season. It wouldn't be a great season, but I would say it's a very good season. I would take that over finishing second and winning nothing. Yeah, fair. I definitely won a trophy next season for sure either way. Mm. So absolutely going for that. Right. Um, Last thing to go to before we have a look at our question that we were set. Lionel Messi, Carl. So Mm. in the last... um, couple of days we've seen Karim Benzema leave Real Madrid to head to Saudi Arabia it looks like he will be joined there by Angolo Kante Luka Modric has been linked Alexis Sanchez has been linked Wilf Zaha has been linked and I assume there's a bunch more who will be linked over the next few months as the uh Saudi investment fund decides to pump billions into some sort of vanity project. But one name who doesn't look like he's going to join them is Lionel Messi. Uh, He had been offered uh, reportedly somewhere in the region of four to 500 million a year to go and run around in the heat and kick a ball. Uh, But apparently he has turned that bid down and is now leaning towards Inter Miami and taking his abilities to the MLS. This is in part because Barcelona can't actually afford to sign him because La Liga have ruled that they would need to give him a minimum salary of $25 to comply with Spanish labour laws, which is something to do with he can't earn less than 50% of his last salary there and his last salary there was $50 a year or Something along those lines. So it looks like Messi to the MLS. What will this mean for the MLS? As as someone who has covered Major League Soccer in a professional capacity before, what does this mean for the league? 
Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable, they're every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, good question, to be fair. And I mean, like it's now been, let me say, two seasons since I covered MLS properly. And I think at the time when I left, when I stopped doing it, it was a little bit of fatigue was there with some of the um, designated players as they, as they are, basically the, the players who they can sign outside of the rest of the wage structures, the designated players. So there was a little bit of fatigue over some of them not hitting the heights. Obviously, there was a few... Uh, off-pitch issues with them. Um, I think in general, they've been a, a really positive thing. We spoke about the, the structure of MLS compared to, you know, Chinese Super League and the Saudi Super mm. League, uh, Saudi League the other day. So it's been a progression and it's definitely been better used as time has gone on. But Messi is like levels up from anybody else. The only comparable names is one David Beckham and two Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Like all the rest of them, David Villa and Andrea Pirlo when he was there and all the rest of them. Um, great players in their time, fine, but name-wise, label didn't, for didn't the have that global appeal. Absolutely not. Nowhere near. Only Beckham and Zlatan. So this mm. is like, I, I mean, I would personally put him above both of them. Maybe Beckham would be above him in, in American terms. I'm not really sure on that. But Messi, as a global superstar, as someone who has just left PSG and is still wanted by Barcelona... That's, that's pretty huge. Like, it's pretty yeah. huge. And, you know, World Cup winner at the time he goes there is, again, pretty huge. It's going to be something that they have to get very, very right in terms of the uh, marketing around it and making the most of the noise around it and all the rest of it. And obviously... There's also a real chance he wins the next Ballon d'Or, Carl. Yes. yes Which, if, if he's in America playing in MLS when he's crowned Ballon d'Or winner... That is another level of gravitas because you're, I think you're right. I think Beckham maybe in America might have been a bigger brand when he moved than Messi is yeah. because he had that appeal. And obviously, you know, the, the Spice Girl wife plays into that as well. But there's no comparison in terms of the level of these two players. Beckham was great, but Messi is, at worst, he's in your top three ever, whoever you are. Messi's going to be in your top three. If, if he's not, you're definitely taking drugs. So they could still make the claim that, well, this is the best player in the world and he's coming here. You know, he's the greatest player ever or one of the greatest players ever. And he's still the best right now and he's coming here. So that does carry with it quite a lot of weight. Beckham had obviously tailed off a little bit at Real before moving to MLS 
The interesting thing will be how they fund this, because obviously it's one thing having the designated player slots, but Messi is going to cost many times more than your normal designated player who tends to earn, what, six to eight million a year. I think we'll see that there's been a couple of things said about this. One is that MLS have said that they will help with this. There'll be centralized money. So for people that don't follow MLS, all of the major commercial deals are done by MLS. They're not done individually by the club. So for example, Adidas have a deal with MLS to provide the kits for all teams. So that centralized money then gets split out between the teams. The TV deal is centralized money. And there's a lot of other sponsorships that are all centralized. And then the, the teams share them. So MLS have allegedly approached Apple and Adidas as the two biggest commercial partners to fund this deal. And there's been talk that could Messi get a percentage of shirt sales for the seasons that he's over there? If there's a notable raise, which there likely will be in shirt sales across the board, as more eyes go on MLS, Messi should get some some money from that. The same thing with Apple. Could Messi get a percentage, a small percentage, obviously, but a percentage of everyone who signs up to watch the MLS via the Apple TV or the streaming service or whatever way they're going to do it. And then there's also been some talk of giving him the Beckham deal. And this is something that I've banged the drum on for a couple of years now. This is why I've always thought he would go there. When Beckham went to LA Galaxy, the headline was Beckham signs five-year, $125 million deal. But he didn't really. He signed a five-year $25 million deal. Now, at the time, $5 million a year to play in MLS was about 10 times more than anyone else was getting. But the other $20 million a year was basically money that was theoretical, money that he would get off the purchase price of an MLS franchise in the future. So he got a $100 million reduction off the asking price of an MLS franchise. And there's been a lot of talk that Messi will get either the option to be the the lead owner of an MLS franchise in the future or some sort of equity stake in a current or future MLS franchise. And the two cities I had looked at and thought, well, they'd make sense because of the weather, the proximity to South America, and the fact that they didn't have MLS teams were San Diego and Phoenix. Now, San Diego is getting the next MLS team, but I do wonder if there's a future team to be had in Phoenix, which has a large Hispanic population, and Messi would be very popular among those people. Could Messi potentially get ownership in that franchise as part of this deal? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if there's definitely some future plan for collaboration. They've tried to do this with quite a lot of people and, you know, bringing over South American and European big names in general has been an approach of American football in general, not just MLS, but outside that as well. Um, you know, people like Nesta and Ronaldo, Carlos, loads of people, loads and loads of people are involved across the board now. Beckham, obviously, again, the biggest name involved. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised. You know, there's there's a lot of work that goes into 
sustainability of not just the league, but the game, the sport, the interest stateside. They learn lots and lots of lessons from last time, lots and lots of lessons learned from where things have gone wrong in their, um, let's say, more traditional sports as well, where fans have been upset about stuff or finances have not been sustainable, that sort of thing. So making things long-term partnerships is really, really part of the ethos over there. Um, So I wouldn't be surprised. And look, I think most people are probably happier that Messi goes somewhere which is more reputable and established already than the alternatives. Agreed. Agreed. I, I and I do think there's I think the I think MLS is is a decent standard. I, I do think it's of a far better standard than maybe people that don't watch the league are, are aware of. Like I would say it's comparable at least to the, the likes of the Eri Divisi. Um, and has the potential to maybe even get to the level of where the French League and the Portuguese League are. There's a lot of talent. My one concern is there may just already be too many teams for the amount of talent that's there. It's maybe a little bit diluted in some quarters, but I certainly think when you're looking at a league that is averaging across 476 games played, in the 2022 season, a league that averaged 21,000 people in attendance, there is definite interest in that league. And that's in a country where NFL is king, basketball is widely popular, America is, uh, baseball is their national sport, and ice hockey, while not as popular as the other, is still a very popular sport. MLS has managed to carve out its own niche. And I think that can continue to grow with the arrival of someone like Messi. And maybe that then leads to further movement of, of, you know, players of his, not his caliber, because there's no one of his caliber, but players of, you know, a similar reputation. Maybe Di Maria looks at it and goes, well, if he's going, I might go. You know, others will be interested. Well, we've seen the likes of Higuain and others go over in recent years when they're kind of done. But Messi still has a couple of years left in him of a decent level. Di Maria still has a year or two left in him at a decent level. I think we might see more and more of this. Yeah, I think it's um, definitely another big step forward and a a sign of progression and continuity. And like I say, it, it is very much all about making sure that it's a sustainable league over there. It's something they've been burned in before. And I think that this is probably the next push, if you like, to make sure mm. that it doesn't flatline in terms of interest, in terms of uh, standing, global standing, that is, in terms of fan growth and everything else. Because, you know, this is messy. There's only one of him. Exactly. And the thing as well is, like, while there are still some teams playing in stadiums that are oversized, You know, like seeing Chicago Fire play at Soldier Field is just a bit annoying because they've got it limited to 25,000. That stadium holds about 70,000. There are a lot of really good football-specific stadiums that have been built in recent years. So there are quality venues for these games to take place in. And I think it's, again, something that should, you know, drive interest. Is they're, They're not just trying to force these games into stadiums that aren't suitable. They're building their own stadiums, building their own infrastructure. Clubs like Austin FC, who are recently added to the league, 
They've built a fantastic training complex. There's, these teams are building great academies as well. I remember when I lived in Toronto, I was at the, the TFC Academy dozens of times and they've got great setup there, like great, great setup there. So, I mean, yeah, Busquets is, is another name, Ali, that, that could potentially go over there if he decides that the Saudi money is not for him either. And, you know, maybe we see the likes of Ramos take that kind of deal as well. So I, I do think we'll see more and more players, especially while Messi's there, more and more players will gravitate that way. Um, right, Carl. So we were set the question by the Mauritian one. Choose two LFC players from every decade, 1950s to present, giving 16 players in total to make up a starting 11 plus five subs. Who would be your ideal manager for your team? And how do you think that team would fare in today's Premier League and Champions League? So what way do we want to work this? Do we want to go decade by decade, give our our two players and then list out our teams? Or what way would we go? Yeah, decade by decade, take the twos and then we'll do the teams. Right, so we'll start in the 1950s. Um, I'll give you my two and you can, then we can do your two for the 60s and back to me, whatever. Um, oh, well, your, your 50s, then your 60s and, and so on. So like a snake craft thing. Um, I've got from the 1950s, Billy Little and Ronnie Moran. For, for a second, we're going to have both of them the same. I've got Billy Little and Roger Hunt. Oh, nice, nice doff of the cap to Sir Roger. Um I like those two. I like those two. I went for Ronnie Mirando because I'm looking at him as player slash coach uh, to join to join my boot room. Um, what have you got then from the 1960s? I have Mr. Ian Callahan, naturally, and uh, I went for Ron Yates. I also have Ron Yates, but my second one from the 60s is Emlyn Hughes. Okay. Moving into the 1970s then, I've gone Alan Hansen and Ray Clements. I have Ray Clements and Kenny Dalgleish. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. (laughs) This is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Who are your two from the 80s? From the 80s, I have Alan Hansen (laughs) and I have John Barnes. 
I have Kenny Dalglish <laughs> and Graham Souness. Okay, I knew you would be taking Souness. I decided to of make course. a bit of difference. Uh, your nineties. I've got John Burns, and I've gone for Rob Jones, a yeah, personal nice. favourite. There you go. I've also gone for two personal favourites from the nineties: uh, Robbie Fowler and Steve Nickel. I had Steve Nickel in originally as one of my ones from the eighties. I originally had him in my starting 11, but then I, I, I kind of shit myself and, and went a different direction because I realized <laughs> I wasn't being, I was, I was leaving out somebody that had to be in. So, um, right. So from the 2000s, then, who do you have? I have a, a midfield pair, Shabby uh, Alonso and Steven Gerrard. I have Steven Gerrard and Javier Mascherano. From the 2010s, I've got Luis Suarez. And Virgil van Dijk. And I have Virgil van Dijk and Alison Becker. And from the 2010s, the 2020s, rather? Uh, Trent and Robbo. I went with Mo and Ali. Mo and Ali. I left Trent out. He's still in my in my bad books from some of his performances from last season. <laughs> So and, and and I didn't want I didn't want to get too fancy with things, right? Who is your manager? Let's start there. Um, if I'm being perfectly honest, I completely forgot to pick a manager. So top of my head, I'm going to go with what do we need? What do we need here? We need someone who is capable of playing a very very normal four four two because you know we're crossing eras here. I don't think they had some of the. Uh, interplay that we have at times here we need someone who is good at man management with lots of different types of personalities and we need someone who wins there's only one answer then isn't there it's the same guy I've got I thought you were going to pick Paisley but I was thinking Shankly makes the most sense for this no I'd pick Paisley yeah the best man manager of the group he's the best winner of the group I figured maybe Shankly would um, step on a few toes. There's going to be a few left on the bench here who don't want to be. Oh yeah, I've got I've got some 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 big names on my bench here. Right, let's go. Um, let's go goalkeeper and back four first. And I'll I'll go first. I've got Allison. Yeah, me too. I've got Rob Jones at right back. I've got Hansen and Virgil in the middle, and I've got Emlyn Hughes at left back. I got. Same centre-backs as you, Van Dijk and Hansen. And I have Trent and Robbo as my full-backs. No, I haven't. I've got Trent and Steve Nicol as my full-backs. Uh, Alisson is my goalkeeper as well, yeah. Cool. Uh, give me your midfield, right to left. Right to left. We have the latter uh, years of, of Ian Callaghan centrally with John Barnes. Uh, sorry, with Stephen Gerrard. Um, right side is Billy Little. Left side is John Barnes. Okay, I have Steven Gerrard on the right, Mascherano and Souness in midfield, just so there's no pricking about. I've got John Barnes on the left. And up front, I've got Mo Salah and Luis Suarez. I have Robbie Fowler and Kenny Dalglish. Okay. So again, your team is Alisson, Trent, Hansen, Virgil, Nickel, Callaghan, Souness. No, sorry, Callaghan, Gerard. Who is your other one in midfield? Uh, oh, Little, 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 right. little on the right. 
Callahan and Jared in the middle, and, then Barnes. and Barnes on the left. And then you've got Fowler and Kenny up front. Yeah. I've got Ali, Rob Jones, Hanson Virgil, Emlyn Hughes, Gerard Mashgrano, Sunes, and Barnes. I'm whooping your ass in midfield, by the way. And then I've got Salah and Suarez up front, just for the lunacy of Louis. So, so what's your bench then? You've got you've got a really strong bench. Yeah, I've got uh, Ray Clements, uh, Ron Yates, Andy Robertson, Xavi Alonso, and Roger Hunt. And I've got Clements, Ronnie Moran, Ron Yates, Billy Little, and Kenny. I mean, nobody's complaining if they're on the bench just by virtue of you having Ronnie Moran. Well, that's exactly it. Clips around the ear for anybody that steps <laughs> in a line. Even Suey. Oh, 100%. Suey was terrified of them. <laughs> um, Sunes and Mascarano in midfield. It, depending on the era, <laughs> I could be ending most games with nine men. Depending on the era. So how do you think your team would fare in the modern day? Uh, not very well. Um, what would be the issues, do you think? The, what would be the issues? The Part of the issues would be like, you know, having defenders who are 60, 70 years old. That would be, <laughs> be a conundrum. I think he's <laughs> um, passed away. So I'm yeah. for starters. <laughs> um, look, I, I think much of it is fine, but most of it is the midfield, to be perfectly honest. it's It's not as combative probably through the middle certainly not as combative as yours but then I think yours is like we're opposite ends of the seesaw on this uh, also the the way that Barnes and Little and Callahan, when he was a winger played was very very wide obviously that's not the case now because you want to make the pitch very very compact and be very narrow that kind of thing I think my front two work well you're a, a goal scorer and someone who does all the link work and everything else so I'm fine with that against Dross I think I win by miles against horrible, stoky sort of sitting in teams, I probably win because there's enough magic there. Mm. But in the very biggest of games where, you know, if you're playing a modern day Man City or Man United or whatever, I, I would have midfield concerns of spaces. See, I don't have any concerns about my midfield because, yes, it's uber combative, uber combative. But... It's also quite flexible in that I can sit Sunes in front of the defence, let Gerard and Mascherano go box to box and play Barnes as a 10. You can play them as a box midfield. I could put Barnes on the left side of a front three with Salah and Suarez, and I think that would work really well. Um, in, in the modern game with all these inverted wingers, you could play Barnes off the right and Gerard off the left, have them cutting in field. So... I think I'd be fairly confident with my midfield. Obviously, the, the, the risk is that Sunes goes in knee high on somebody, but I'll just explain to him before the game that we're not allowed to do that anymore, Graham. But if you want to do it, we're not arguing with you. I mean, Ronnie will have a word, but I'm not, I'm not saying shit to him. Um, I, when I look at the teams, like you, you, you have Nickel left back, I have, I have Emlyn Hughes. I think both of them would work really well in the modern game as well because they're both so comfortable on the ball and both played quite a bit of the football in midfield as well. So if you wanted to invert your fullbacks, both of them are capable of doing that. Obviously, Trent is capable of doing it. Alan Hansen is 
he's kind of the prototype for the modern day center, a central defender as a, a pacey ball winner who wasn't, you know, a big blood and thunder, Terry Butcher type of dickhead of, you know, with 15 stitches in his head by half time. He was a ball player. So I think he fits really well. Um, I, I like both teams. I do. I think the one. The one player in my team who's not of the level of the others is obviously Rob Jones. Um, so I might just go full modern day football and play Gerard right back and bring Kenny into the team and switch Salah out onto the right or something like that. But I think Rob Jones will just give me the seven out of ten I'm looking for week after week after week. No, no nonsense. No. No fancy stuff. Definitely not scoring any goals. Um, but I'm I'm very very happy with my team. Are you happy with your team? And you're on mute again. Yes, I'm very happy with my team. I'm less happy with my uh, control of the mute button today. But other than that, I think uh, I think we'd be there or thereabouts, as they say. You'd certainly have the ability to press teams off the pitch, especially with those two you've got in central midfield, because Callahan and Gerrard would be absolutely horrendous to play against if you're trying to play out from the back. And once you get past Kenny, who's going to press you all day as well, you've got those two, plus Billy Little, plus John Barnes. It's going to be very difficult to play out through your team. If you play out through mine, you're just going to get kicked up in the air. So it's best not to even try. Um, that's sort Hitting of hope against you. Basically, yeah, just pump it long. But then I've got Virgil to deal with it, so it's okay. Um, no, I'm, I'm, I think I think we've done this well. I think we've done this well. Uh, so I hope that, that answers the question. Uh, YMWA Foody did ask us a question that we missed. We're not going to get to it today because it's a pretty big one. But it is, uh, he wants us to rebuild the entire team using players that would cost no more than 8 million. So he's relented and said we could do it with players that would cost 10 million. So basically his idea was, you know, when you look at the likes of Moises Caicedo and Ugarth and Enzo and people like that who have moved for small fees before then moving for the the, the ginormous fees, could we potentially rebuild? So that's something we'll do um, maybe next week or the week after. Uh, A team of Enzos and Caicedos and whoever else. Now, you know, there's, there's there's definitely a team out there to be had for that type of money. I might pump it up and just say we can go to 15 million because like Enzo did cost fourteen million, including the add-ons to Benfica, plus the sell-on, which I think ended up being about eighteen million. Um, he he mentioned Lavia; he was thirteen or fourteen million as well. So we'll say fifteen million per player, and we have to build a team that could eventually compete for major honors. So you're basically looking to buy a bunch of young players. Uh, on the cheap and, and put them together. So we'll do that at some point in the future. Is there anything you want to plug? I noticed um, you had a, a recent piece with Carlton Cole. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, yeah, Carlton Cole, lovely guy to talk to. Very, very uh, enthusiastic about lots of things that he's doing. 
Um, obviously, tonight when we're recording this is the Europa Conference League final. So ahead of that, there's a bit of West Ham chats and other stuff that he is into, uh, his coaching career and all that kind of thing. Uh, what else have we got? I've done so much stuff over the last few days, I can't actually remember what any of it is. There was some Tottenham work, obviously, after the Ange Postacoglu appointment. Uh, ahead of the Champions League final, if that's when you're listening to this, there is an Andre Onana feature. Um, and other stuff is the best way to put it. There you go. Follow Carl on Twitter at Carl Matchett, where you will find links to all and sundry. Follow Guy Drinkle at Guy Drinkle. And just don't follow me because it's just too much hassle. I will see you next time. Carl, we'll see you soon and we will take care of each other and yourselves. Goodbye. I don't know how what that ending was. That's a disaster. <laughs> uh, see you next time. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash Discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.